0: All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, presented, of course, by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And Matt, it's been a great weekend of, of football, but I just have two words for you, Matt, just two, just two very simple words. And those words are perhaps Buffalo's favorite words, apparently. Wide Right. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's delicious. It's delicious.
1: It's so funny because it was just, especially once they started playing for the kick and it's Buffalo, you know, it's windy, you know, it's cold. It's not that short of a field goal. And the second they flashed that graphic that said he was what, like nine of nine on game, game tying or game winning kicks in the final two minutes or whatever it was, it was, you know what's coming, yeah. I, and I feel bad for the kicker because that is brutal. But it's yeah, the it's Bills tough, yet again, again, this happening to them. It's hilarious, and the fact that they cannot get over the Chiefs, um, man. Like I just and that, everything about that fourth quarter was wild. That was a weird, weird quarter of football.
0: Yeah, mm. you know what, and and it was, you you felt like the Chiefs. I mean, they they do that. The Bills did that. Ridiculous. I don't know what the hell they were doing with that fake punt. It was insane to me.
1: So, so I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I don't think they mentioned this on the broadcast. the uh, The Chiefs only had ten men on the field for it. It's crazy. They didn't get a They didn't get a full eleven out there. So I think the Bills may have seen that and kind of audibled into. We have a man advantage. We're gonna do this. That's it's still. It's I think it's dumb. I mean, if you're gonna go for it, I, I, I don't hate the idea, but if you do it, you gotta get it. And that's a long. That was like fourth and five. Yeah. The
0: other other thing for me is, if you're gonna go for it, if you're gonna go for it, you have Josh freaking Allen, dude. What are you doing? Like he's been unstoppable all night long running the ball. Like maybe don't drop a design run for him, but roll him out and see what happens. Like I I just I I don't get taking the ball out of his hands. But then fine, Chiefs take over at the thirty. They drive right down. Not even drive. They get right down the field because of a Pacheco run. And then they throw it to friggin' McCole Harbin on that stupid end-around thing. And it was like, what are you doing? And, you know, he reaches for the goal line because he's a dummy. Fumbles, fumbles out of the end zone, which, of course, everyone hates that rule. I don't mind that rule. I do think you could adjust it. You could adjust it, and you could, you know, you could say, okay, you keep possession, but you get first and 10 at the 20-yard line.
1: I I just think that. I, I think know. any fumble forward and out of bounds should just come back to where the ball was was fumbled. Like that's kind of my my take on that. Um and you know if you want to do that and give the ball to the defense instead, that's fine by me, but I feel like it should be the same. I don't think a defense should get rewarded for letting a team get all the way down to the goal line and then the offense messes up. Like if you want to stop the offense, do it earlier. Don't rely so on that. Failing I like that
0: idea a lot. So the idea is that instead of – see, oh, man, that's really fascinating, dude, is that instead of um, instead of getting the ball to 20 because of a touchback, you get the ball like the one-yard line or wherever they fumble from. That is a fascinating idea. Yep. I like that but, a lot better than oh, than, you know, yeah. something else.
1: Well, in, in any other circumstance, a fumbled ball forward that doesn't get recovered comes back to the spot where it was fumbled. Sure. So that should, I think, that logic should exist across the board. And then the ball either goes to the offense or the defense. I don't really care if you can make an argument either way, and I'll buy it. But I just don't like that it's a the touchback part of it doesn't make any sense to me because, like, the ball goes forward anywhere else; it just comes back. Why would it be different there? It's not.
0: But, you know. well, I guess the idea is that. They're taking, but they're not even taking possession. I don't know. No, I, no, I, I if, see. If nobody happening.
1: gets the ball, then I right. don't feel like there should be some big, drastic change in what happened. Like
0: right, like if they had recovered it, then that's a different story. Then you get yeah, back, right. But if it goes out yeah, of but bounds, you have to. That's a fascinating. That that and they would never, ever, ever do that. But I think that's fascinating. So, um, yeah. anyways, I just burg burg sent it too. like I'm just celebrating. I'm just I'm just enjoying Buffalo the misery of Buffalo. And look, I, I get that Mahomes is, you know, is lights out in the playoffs. He's doing something that only Brady has really done. Um, you know, and he's he's been incredible. He's been incredible. And he's the only guy realistically that has any chance of catching Tom Brady, right? But Brady has seven rings and Mahomes is two. And Brady's 2-0 oh against Mahomes in the playoffs. So, like, it's still... It's still you look at it and you say, OK, I still don't know if we can make him the goat over Brady no matter what happens. But, um, you know, uh, yeah. so I don't know.
1: I'm not worried about that conversation either, because, like you said, like we're we're four Super Bowl wins away from even starting to have an actual conversation. I think. Right. right. Um, and like, I don't know. And that's also look at where the Chiefs are right now. They got a little bit lucky at points today. They had a really sloppy game, and they benefited from our Bills' defense that is not very good oh, yeah. right now because of how yep. injured they are. That's not how this is going to look next week. The Ravens are a much, much better defense at every single level than what the Bills present right now. And like my my the way, I look at this. I think we're almost definitely getting both one seeds in the Super Bowl. I just the, the the Lions look like they have some vulnerabilities. The man Chiefs have vulnerabilities.
0: For- We'll get into the, we'll get into the games. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the games because I do want to get into the OC stuff. But like, San Fran looked beatable. They looked beatable. They did. You know, that doesn't mean they they're going to get beat, but they looked beatable. Um, and so, you know, look. I, I mean, I can't. I can't help myself. I have to root for the Lions. I have to. Like, how could you not root for the Lions? You know.
1: Wow. I. know, can't. Why? I, I, you know if, if I'm being honest, it's petty. But I think they're doing it this week. The Lions have decided that their favorite uniforms are the all white ones. It's just no stripes on them. And it's like, it looks like their team manager went out, like, forgot the pants, went out to a Coles and grabbed the leggings for the team. And I'm just like, that should not be rewarded.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, listen.
1: I also do not like Jared Goff. I have a Jared Goff hater. It's not personal, it's completely petty. He's a very good quarterback, but I just have no, we already saw him lose the Super Bowl. I'm not interested in seeing this again.
0: Right, but I want them to win the Super Bowl, so that's the thing. Um, I'll tell you though, and and so let let's get into the let's get into the San Fran game because we can start and kind of go chronologically because San Fran was the first game.
1: No, there, um, there no that's game not before. true.
0: That's not true. Baltimore it felt the like game. In the way those
1: second do we, we have Baltimore, to
0: do we have to even yeah. talk about Baltimore Houston? I mean, Houston was a nice little story. Was a nice little story. They played their butts off this year. CJ Stroud looks legit. Nico Collins looks legit. Um, and Domingo Ryan is a good coach, but they just don't, I mean, Baltimore's a wagon. They just didn't have it. They didn't have it. Um, and so, you know, Baltimore cruises, um, cruises in. And so to me, it becomes one of those situations where I look at it and just say, you know, there's no way there's, you know, Hey, they did what they could. Baltimore clean, wiped the floor with them. And it's funny. I had, I had Houston covering. And you had um, Green Bay covering, and that's what happened. So I was I was completely off uh, on Saturday, oh, and I actually was I actually was over three before this game. So, so oh my man.
1: god,
0: yeah, the, I had, uh, had had a bad week as usual, uh, gambling.
1: <laughs> that uh, those drives in the second half from the Ravens it reminded me of the 0-4 Pats against the Colts in yeah. that game where it was just controlling the clock, mowing them down, and completely controlling the game. Uh, with those two they had the, the Pats had two really long scoring drives, touchdown drives against the Colts in 04. And I think the Ravens had three in the second half. Um, and it was just, you know, once they're on, that running game is so hard to stop. And especially when you have the threat of the past like they do. And now I think mean, you're gonna have Mark Andrews coming back. So the Texans, they've maxed out what they could do this year. They got good stuff for the future. We're gonna see what they do this offseason. Um they're coming to New England next year. So that's going to be an interesting test for Gerard Mayo there. But Ravens far and away the better team.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that, you know, it's, it's not, they're a better team. And I think they're, I think they're the best team in the NFL. Now they could certainly lose to the chiefs next week. I think they're going to beat the chiefs in my, that's just my opinion. Um, But, you know, they're, to me, they're the best team in the NFL. So. Um, yeah, I agree, but
1: Especially, then, I was, I thought they were number two and then they went out to San Francisco and beat them and that was kind of, all right, you're number one until you show that you aren't and they still look like number one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of it. So, and then the, the night game was a San Fran game again. And someone, someone said it in, where the heck is it? Hold
1: on. Hold on.
0: Okay. Ashton said it. Purdy did impress me last night. I don't think pretty impressed anyone last night. He played like crap. Yeah. But at the end of the game, when it mattered and when they needed it and when they absolutely had to have it, he drove them down and they won the game. And to me, that that's one of those, that's one of those things that I look at and just say like, okay, I don't, I don't know if he's that good or if he's just surrounded by a ton by a ton of talent. I don't know. But, The guy's a gamer, man. He plays his ass off. He's been, he had a good, he had a solid year this year. And the one thing that everyone's been complaining about is that he can't come back at the end of games. Well, he has a terrible game on Saturday. He was objectively bad. He played poorly on Saturday night. Yeah. And then when when it came down to it and when the game was on the line, he drove them down and and they won the game. And that to me, that shows me something. Now, again, I don't. That doesn't mean he's a top five quarterback or a top ten quarterback or any, that, any of that stuff. But like for me, you know, to fight through a bad game and still win—that to me is huge.
1: He's got mental toughness. He's a gamer. Yep. He's, I, I think Brock Purdy is somewhere in the average tier of quarterbacks, which I think is a pretty wide bar of quarterbacks. Um, but he's not a game manager. He's actually pretty right. reckless with the ball. He's more Matt Stafford than Alex Smith when he's out there. Um, and he's fun to watch. It's just, you know, when Mm -hmm. he's not on some of the decisions are really bad and some of the the throws get really inaccurate. There's even a little, little Josh Allen do his game in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's he can get away with it because the guys around him are so good that the risks are lower than they are usually because they can erase bad plays and the good plays end up going for six. Uh, Christian McCaffrey too, was, fantastic defense was really rough at points but did enough and i think i think the common thread in both of the nfc games that we saw that game last night and then the lions bucks this afternoon is both road teams had every opportunity to win that game and left too many points on the field mm-hmm. both teams mm-hmm. struggled when they got into scoring range um, had a couple turnovers missed field goals uh, you know things that you just you just can't have on the road against a better team in the playoffs and that was the difference. I mean, we're, we're not that far off here from having a Lions-Packers NFC championship game or a bucks packers NFC championship game with how the end of those games went. But uh, the better team got got the breaks to go their way at the end by just a slim margin there and uh, sets up what I think should be a fun NFC championship game. You know, I think we saw the Niners defense seems to be gashable in the running game and the Lions will take advantage of that. And the line secondary is horrendous. So yeah. San Fran should score. You would think um, It'll probably be close. I, I mean, I'm, I think San Francisco is going to win. I'm going to take both home teams, but uh, we have a pair of fun games in the NFC. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Right. And again, Detroit today. So Detroit this morning played or not this morning, but this afternoon played another emotional game. You know, of course you're going, you're going up and you're trying to win. I mean, that was it. Was a back and forth game. It really wasn't super well played. I mean, it was, but it wasn't like I, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away by either team. Let's put it to you that way. The one guy I was blown away by was freaking Jameer Gibbs. Is is an absolute monster. He's a superstar. Um, and you know that's that's one of those things where like we all pan that pick at number twelve. What are you doing, drafting a running back at twelve, and so on and so forth. He's not just a running back. He's catching the ball to the backfield. He's make. I mean, what he did to Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, he made the man look slow. Yeah. And,
1: and you the know, shadow realm.
0: right? And that. And so, to me, that it's that's hard. It's hard for me to look at that and say we were all wrong. We were all wrong about about the Lions. Can you talk about Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta in the same draft? Yeah. Right. And and yeah. um, Jack. Uh, what the hell is Jack his name? Campbell. Jack Campbell. And uh, Brian, Brian Branch, Branch.
1: that's he one really hell of a draft. That's one yeah. hell of a draft. Yeah, Well, I, and I think one of the things that we saw, um, I mean, Brian Branch comes into this because of the slot blitzes the Lions were bringing. But I think one of the things we saw across the board uh, in all four playoff games this weekend too was how uh, how much you can throw out the regular season because defensively, once you have the full scout on the offense, you can throw all kinds of weird stuff out there. I and mean, I think yeah. we saw... You saw the Packers defense, I mean, the Packers fans have wanted their defensive coordinator fired all season long. Yeah. <laughs> has not done a good job. He's the only guy that made Bryce Young look good. And they came out there, back-to-back weeks with really well-designed defenses that did a really good job. Um, you saw the Lions, who have had a really rough defense at points this season, figure out ways to get to Tampa and generate pressure. And for the Bills and the Chiefs, we saw some really good defensive points. They were scheming stuff up. Um, And, you know, when they say defense wins championships, and I think we saw this weekend that it isn't necessarily about how good your defense is overall. It's about your ability to generate kind of these specific game plans for big moments and having guys who are smart enough to figure out what the opposing team wants to do and take it away. Look at the the Packers against the Cowboys. I mean, that was the textbook example of just being being everywhere that Dak wanted to throw the ball every time he wanted to throw the ball because they knew what the tendencies were and they were able to jump things and, um, we look forward for the Patriots and I think defensive personnel matters in terms of talent, but it also matters in terms of how smart and how well coached the guys are and what, you know, what, what's going on, you know, in the head and what you are able to figure out there. And I think the Pat's have a lot going on there. Yep. The infrastructure too, depending on who stays and I think the Patriots can design a defense as good as any of the ones we've seen this weekend in a playoff game. If the offense can get them to that point.
0: Right. Well, and that's what it comes down to, right? And again, if you had even a mediocre offense this year with the defense that you had, even with all the injuries, you're talking about the Steelers. You're the Steelers, right? And maybe even better than the Steelers, right? And so um, that's something for me that that I think is interesting. Um, all right, so let's get to the last game. And I think Cody mentioned it, and a few other people have mentioned it before. But, I mean, I don't know if Sean McDermott's going to get fired. I don't know if Sean McDermott going to get fired. By the way, uh, Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo is bringing out, bringing out the snowflakes, man. People do not like the fact that he talks about diversity um, and yeah, is okay with wow. talking about it. It's not okay to talk about diversity. It's not okay. you got to remember that. Apparently. It's not okay to talk about diversity. We don't want to talk about diversity here. It's not okay. All right? We just got to remember that. So just file that away, Matt, next time. Anyone mentioned anything about diversity, we got to shut them down right away. It's <laughs> not okay to talk about that. It's not all right. So just so we're all on the same page about that, do not discuss diversity. It's not. It's not okay. It's, this is a football yeah. podcast. We're not supposed to be talking about diversity and racism.
1: They, 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 we're not they really are, talking
0: about that stuff. So we got to i that in mind. What I'm going to do is what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to send a message to Jerome. I'll just send him an email and be like, Hey, listen, yeah. I host a prominent Patriots podcast. Super prominent. We have like right word for it. You yeah. have like 200 subscribers. Please, please stop talking about like diversity. Please, like come on. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> so, so so anyways. Um, but the bills. And it, honestly, this is where we're at with the bills. I don't know if we're gonna get to a Sean McDermott firing. I I don't know if we're going to. But I, I really think that it becomes a situation where I don't know if they can get any further with Sean McDermott. I, I don't know if they can do that. They might be able to, but I just don't know if they can. And well, this is, that's the hard thing for me.
1: Well, this is the this is the third team. Now we were kind of talking about the head coach in a, you know, we know he's good, but can he get us over the hump way? And we see the Cowboys stick by Mike McCarthy and, Seems like the Eagles are sticking by Nick Sirianni. So now yeah. Sean McDermott's up and it's tough because I, I it's it's such a weird season for the Bills. And it has yeah. it's been two yeah. weird seasons here. You know, they I think they got really unlucky with the injuries that they sustained on defense early in the season. I think Sean McDermott deserves a lot of credit for the way they were able to redesign the defense into something good. I think mean, the fact that it played kind of poorly at points tonight is just they got re-injured again, you know, the the important pieces in the way they figure yeah. things out now are yeah. hurt. And, you know, at a certain point you run out of bodies and guys who can do things at a high level. Um, f- firing the offensive coordinator to me mid season was such a weird move. And, you know, the offense isn't why they lost this really. Um, you can't, you can't really pin it on any one thing. I just, I, I think Sean McDermott's a good coach. I don't think he's a, I don't know if he's a great coach, and it's I I wouldn't want to be the one making this call. I'll tell you that much because I think he's done a lot of the right things, and he's also done some very strange things in a, lot, a lot of ways there in Buffalo. And right, um, I don't. And the other thing is, you know, you look at I think Bill. Let's we'll bring up the Bill Belichick it off The, the Bills were to hire him instead. I think he makes that defense better immediately, but given what we've seen in New England the last couple of seasons. um Yeah, how do you feel about Josh McDaniels coming into quarterback? No, to coach Josh Allen. That's a pairing that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think those guys are very compatible at all. And if that's if that's what you're going to insist on, if Matt Patricia is suddenly back in here as defensive coordinator, um, given recent track records, if you're the Bills owner, I don't think I I think that would be a very very risky move in a business where decision makers are usually very conservative. Conservative about the decisions we make. I don't think they're going to rip the bandaid off.
0: Well, and that's and that's a great point. That's a great point.
1: And so I don't know what's going to
0: happen. And you know, this is so. Mike, Larry, uh, here we are. That you know, Atlanta's still doing interviews, and I thought Belichick was a lock there. I I think, I think the reason why he isn't is because of the situation that we're dealing with right now. It seems like Sirianni is still in. I guess
1: I'm I'm not really sure. Um, they just they just announced that um the, the Sean Desai is out as defensive coordinator. Yes. So I would assume if they're announcing coordinator things not head coach things, that usually means the head coach is staying.
0: Yeah, it sure it sure does seem that way. Um and so you know you have to assume that Sirianni is gonna stay. Mike Mike McCarthy's staying, but now this is the next job. No one's taken the Atlanta job yet because they want to make sure that they that they get all of the information that they can get right? Okay. This game ends. If Buffalo's looking at the saying Sean McDermott's not the guy and they fire him, that instantly becomes the number one job, obviously. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, with that offense and the players that they have on defense, that to me is, it is is huge. And so yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I look at that and, and I just like, you know, it becomes an issue for me that I look at it and I just say like, okay, that's interesting. Like, yeah. That becomes the number one job. And so no one's accepting that Atlanta job yet because if they accept the Atlanta job and then the Bill's, bill's job comes open and the Bill's are like, hey, man, we would have hired you. You're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah.
1: So well, that, I think, you know. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, that's interesting. Um, if you're the Falcons, is Bill Belichick the best coach on the market for you right now? You're a team that has struggled offensively. Yeah. And it looks like Jim Harbaugh is on the market. A guy who has taken teams to the Super Bowl, a guy who's good at developing young quarterbacks, a guy—I mean, we talk about the Ravens on here. Do you get you know where that Ravens defensive coordinator came from? He's been at Michigan the last right. couple of yeah. years yeah. before yeah. this. That's where he he did a lot of that stuff. Um, and it's you know if you got a if you're a team that wants to plan for the long-term future, not just the short-term future, and you have the opportunity to hire a coach. Who just won a national championship in college and whose uh, style of defense is what yep. May, yep. may win the Ravens a Super Bowl here in part, and you're a quarterback away, and this guy's quarterback is in the draft, um, and you have a, a chance to continue that relationship. And I also think the, the personnel they have in Atlanta fits what Jim Harbaugh likes to do offensively. Um, so... I think there's a very real possibility here that Bill Belichick gets left at the altar and doesn't get a job, which is crazy to say, but right. yeah. it feels possible. Well,
0: the hard yeah. thing yeah. is that he's 72. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if that feedback by the way is coming the echo. I don't know if it's coming from me or from you, but um but I don't know. I don't know if that if you know he's 72. He wants to go in a situation where he can win. And the team that's bringing him in needs to feel like we're good enough that we can com- like realistically compete right now. And I don't know, I don't know who's in that spot, right? I don't know who's in Buffalo's in that spot. Obviously, Philly's in that spot. Dallas is in that spot. Is Atlanta in that spot? I mean, maybe if Atlanta gets a quarterback, they might be in that spot. But like you know, who's the quarterback going to be? Maybe if Atlanta says, maybe if, you know, if, look, maybe Bill Belichick saying, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw a bag at Kirk Cousins. We're going to sign Kirk Cousins, right? We throw an absolute bag at him, sign him. I'm going to bring in McDaniels. And all of a sudden our offense is going to be, you know, I'm going to fix the offense and don't worry about the defense. I'll take care of the defense, right? And so, and again, I don't know if that, if that matters, but, you know, it's like it's a tough sell when a seventy-two-year-old coach is saying, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this team a championship, a champion team, right?" And that's that's hard short unless window. again, a, you feel like we're literally a coach away.
1: Yeah, you know? I and mean, it could be, and it's. I think if you're Arthur Blank, you got to be sitting there because you're going to be getting that argument from Bill. But I'm sure Jim Harbaugh is saying, "Hey, you're a quarterback away. I'm a decade younger than Bill Belichick. I can draft the quarterback I've had a good relationship with, and." I'll coach him for the next decade for your team. And we're going to go win five Super Bowls or whatever, because he's going right. to be ambitious about it. Yep. And, you know, it's just, it's about how big you you want your window to be. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of moving parts here that I think are very interesting. And uh, the other thing here is, you know, Jim Harbaugh can go back to, to college. Um, and this isn't, the Falcons aren't the only team interested in him. And the Falcons are interviewing everybody right now. You know, I I think if I would think if Bill Belichick were a lock there, they wouldn't be interviewing all these guys. They would have wrapped up interviews and just you probably you would think so. Yeah, handed a blank check and said, "All right, when when you're ready, give us a call. We'll we'll put we'll put the number here and get to work." And it doesn't seem like that's how they're approaching it. So they're clearly not convinced that he is going to come, or they're not convinced that they want him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And so you know, so we'll see. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall. I wonder if the dominoes that fall, you know, will happen this week. I wonder if it'll happen next week. It feels like this week is the week, right? Doesn't it? Like it feels like this is the week that things are going to start moving. Obviously the coordinators that are playing still can't accept jobs yet, but you feel like, that this is kind of this is the week that things are going to happen um and so you know i I think we'll find out by the end of the week whether belichick will be coaching the falcons whether would jim harbaugh will be coaching the falcons and if belichick gets a job and where it will be tennessee's an interesting spot like but tennessee just let go of mike Vrabel, who kind of is similar to to belichick so you wonder like they they probably don't want him again
1: they've been interviewing some weirder people there and it seems like they want to go for like a younger offensive assistant type or something i don't think bill's going to be the guy and and you know, I think maybe the chargers then if the Atlanta job isn't there, but we haven't heard any links there, have we? I mean, Bill hasn't interviewed and no,
0: no, have nothing I, on that front. Yeah. And I'm not even sure who's going to, who's going to take that job. So there's a lot of talk about Harbaugh wanting that job because it yeah. he has Herbert. Right. And that makes sense. Yes. And so we'll kind of, we'll see what happens. But, um, but the one thing, so before we, before we leave the games, of course we talked about Mahomes, Right. And so my dad texted me, um, this little stat, so I forget to share it with you. Brady has 59 fourth quarter or overtime comebacks while losing or tied. It, it just as a Patriot. Never mind what he did with the Bucks. 59 as a Patriot in the fourth quarter, losing or tied. And then the other one for me is in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, Brady has 10 drives in the fourth quarter. That changed the that changed the score of the game that changed the lead of the game, so either yeah, tied the game or took the lead ten Brady, in the fourth quarter. And over time,
1: time. And Brady left the field um, in the fourth quarter with a lead in uh, how many? How many Super Bowls did he end up playing in? Was it ten? He played in ten. Yeah, and he left the, with a lead nine. Yeah, uh, ever, no, no, every. I think it must be nine because he didn't in the Falcons one. They never led in the fourth quarter. Um yeah, but, but he they, left with the he left with the lead because they won. No, no, I mean he left the field, like he's he led his team to score in the fourth quarter. That's what I mean. It, That's what I mean. Because it's um because they in the, he never led in the fourth quarter of that game, is what I'm saying. Are you saying um, in
0: the fourth quarter? Yeah. Well, the Giants game, they got the ball back after they got the ball back after after they scored.
1: No, I'm games. I'm saying I'm saying at any point in the fourth quarter. In both oh, Giants I'm Super saying. Bowls, they had a they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and in the Eagles one, I believe they had a lead in the fourth quarter, and yeah. all the yep. ones they they won, except for the Falcons one, they had a lead in the fourth quarter, which yep. is just, um, you know, it's he put his team in position to win every single Super Bowl he was in, right, right, and that's you know, I, I think that that's
0: it's interesting, and so to me, we talk about Mahomes trying to catch Brady and what Brady's done, like twenty eight to three is incredible, shock in the world. Is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like those things go down in history, right? Like those are those are historically yeah. good moments. Coming back against the best defense, and again, the Legion of Boom, if they hold on and win that Super Bowl, that's considered the greatest defense of all time. In back to back Super Bowls, they would have beaten Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back to back Super Bowls, and they would have won back to back games. That's wild. Like that would have been that that would be the number one defense of all time. And because they mm-hmm. lost. They destroyed that whole team. That, that one loss destroyed the entire Seahawks franchise, right? One play and call. And so that's one of those things. Um, that's that's fascinating, right? And so, you know, I don't know. Now the other the other thing, and Patriots local pointed this out too. And I, this is a little bit off topic, but but Andy Reid might be retired. Might be retiring at the end of the season. Imagine Ooh. Bill Belichick. <laughs>
1: In Kansas City. Well, well, the other name I think about there is yeah. Eric B. Is Eric B. Enemy? enemy if he animal, doesn't end up staying in Washington, would be which a really interesting one to see him. Well, go they all lobbied
0: there. for him. Mahomes loved him. They all. It, yeah. it does make sense for him going back there. So, um, but you know what I mean. So, and Nagans uh, trying to argue that that Brady had a better defense. than I I assume that that's, that's satire, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that.
1: Maybe yeah. Well, that's, maybe but, uh, Wait, I mean, you can't you can't do Brady versus. Um, what do you call Mahomes? Until Mahomes at least passes Montana, like you got to get through right. that first. So I'm not even about, like I'm not I'm not entertaining how about, the debate. I'm not. i to worry
0: about him passing it. Eli Manning first.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you know, like that's like that's we're not we're not there right. yet. So he's a yeah. fantastic quarterback. This is not taking anything away from him. He's young. He's, he's very good at what, what he does. Yeah, like he's excellent. Um, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're, we'll see how this goes. You know, we don't have yeah. to make the decision right now. NFL careers are are long, and we can exactly. We can wait for more information before we make that argument. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, let's take a break. When we come back
0: from the break, we're going to talk about the offensive coordinator position. We'll talk a little bit about the defensive coordinator position because they've already kind of started looking at candidates for that one. Offensive coordinator, I think, is fascinating as well. So we'll get into that when we come back from the break, and then uh, we'll go from there. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get into the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. And make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline.ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one 877 8 or text NY in New York. Alright, uh, my sister just sent me a video of uh <laughs> of a Chiefs fan who set up like a fan on the side of his uh on the side of his TV when they lined up for the
1: field goal. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Why right? they're all flipping out because I like I'm going like go watch the miracle. There's gonna some, uh, some good TikToks I watched before <laughs> bed tonight, of reactions. But before we get into that, we'll talk about that game. One last thing about it. Yeah. I love Jason Kelsey, man. He, him shirtless going into the crowd to chug beers after his brother scores a touchdown like that's just it's awesome that's fantastic i feel like jason kelsey and like edelman and gronk if they uh if they're all retired here and kelsey retires could have their own show just like road tripping to different stadiums drinking beer and talking about football and commentating on games like i watched that oh yeah oh and
0: you know what And, and the thing about him is that they do seem like genuinely nice dudes. They really do. And like, yeah. you know, that the podcast and it's a podcast. So like you don't know how real it is, but it seems pretty real. They seem like right? you and yeah. you know, when you and you see kind of their interaction, the way they talk, and the way they interact with each other, it, it's fascinating. And so that to me is is fun. Um, but you know, yeah, he, he had some he had a blast today. He had a good time today. Uh, we will put you that way. And, and you know, we'll have a good time next week, I'm sure, in, in
1: Baltimore as well. And so I yeah. hope
0: they lose in Baltimore,
1: but nevertheless, yeah. you know. Wr- written for the Ravens from here on out. I like Lamar Jackson. I think that's – um he he's a g- really good player, and I think it's it might be his time for a ring here.
0: Right. And Lamar, like, Lamar's nasty. He's a very good player. He deserves more recognition than what he gets. I mean, he's going to win his second MVP, which he gets, he gets a decent amount of recognition. But I still think around the league, if fans around the league don't – really appreciate how good he really is. Um, And it is weird because he throws like 152 yards passing, but he also has 100 yards rushing. They said he was the first player ever to have 100 100 yards passing, 100 yards
1: rushing, two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in the same game, (laughs) which is insane. When you look at – forget the numbers. You look at the impact he has on the offense, the way the other players get set up for success when Lamar is out there. It's super impressive. I mean, guys have wide open rushing lanes because of the impact he draws. And yeah, uh, he's such a good passer. I think it's also uh, impressive that he's going to win MVP here four years apart with two different offensive coordinators, two very different styles of offense, yep. leading a team to the, the number one seed both years in very different ways. Uh, you know, I mean, that's. He's not in like the Brady conversation, but the only guy I can think of who's like that is like you look at 07 Brady and 2010 Brady, I think is something on 2011, 2012 Brady, the the way those eras were very different. Um, Yeah, I think think that's what I think of in terms of being able to win in multiple ways that close together and in that dominant of a fashion. So impressive. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Nagans trying to make. Currently trying to make a, an argument. And like I said, I'm not I'm not engaging Brady. with any Brady Mahomes arguments until Mahomes passes Montana. So I'm just
0: gonna. Did you know that Brady played with really good players, and that's why he won? I'm not. I don't know I'm engaging, there. Pat. I'm backing away that? from this one. <laughs> Did You know? Did you know? It's so. Isn't that so weird? You know what I mean? He had good players. Yeah. It's funny. It's, it's funny that, how that works. It, Mahomes yeah. has crappy players on his team. I don't know if yeah. he knew that or not, but Mahomes players yeah. terrible. Then
1: yeah. yeah, who else has crappy players on their team right now? Is the New England Patriots? <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. All right. So. Let's go. Now, all right, before we get into the coaching search, I had a I had a thought. Okay, I
0: had a thought. It's an interesting thought for me, but oh, I had a thought. Oh, oh boy. Okay, I know I I do <laughs> smoke coming out of my ears and stuff. So, I can hear the, the Chargers are in. currently sitting at 5. Okay. They they could go a million different ways. They're obviously not drafting a quarterback, but they could go a bunch of different ways on offense, but they need a true number one wide receiver. They absolutely 100% failed last year, right? Mm-hmm. They failed last year. Try to draft Quentin Johnson. He's terrible, okay? He, Keenan Allen's their best wide receiver, but he's like 97 years old. So like at some point, that's going to go away. Would they trade up to three and draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? You know, sitting at four is Arizona. You know Arizona. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is there, you know Arizona's going to take him. I've even suggested maybe trading back with Arizona instead of um,
1: yeah.
0: instead of that. But regardless, let's just play it out. How much would LA give, right? How much would LA give to move up? And so if you just look – and look, it's an imperfect science, right? It's an imperfect science. But if you look at the riff, Rich Hill draft chart, which I mean – which, of course, we're going to do since Rich out uh, is Rich part Indian of network. the vaccination network, okay? But if like, you just look at the chart, right – Three is 514, five is 468. So that's what, like a 35-point difference, right, which is an yeah, early fourth-round pick. Under, yeah. Now, I would say you probably could could convince them to do a third. And the reason why you could convince them to do a third is because you'd say to them, hey, look, Arizona's on the phone, too. They're offering us a fourth as well. Why don't I just move back to four? Sure, I'll leave Martin Harrington Jr., but Arizona's not going to move out of four. Right. If I move back to five, there's a chance that they draft Marvin Harris, that you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Arizona says, well, screw this. I'm moving out. And so they trade back to nine or whatever, eight, nine, 10, 11. Who cares? And the guy jumps up and drafts Jaden Daniels, whoever it is at at, at four. And we miss out on our quarterback. Right. And so it's like, hey, you got to make it worth our while to move back to five and not go to four. So I just think that would that's an interesting interesting thing for me. Um That I feel like if you look at that and say, that's a way you could move back and kind of see what's going on, if that makes sense.
1: I like the idea, but I just don't think it'll happen because I think uh, Odunze and Neighbors are also very highly regarded for as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Um, you You have like your Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson level prospect in this draft, but then behind him, you have like your Jamar Chase level prospect. Is also fantastic in Neighbors and Odunze is fantastic. And you also have Brock Bowers in there. Yeah. So I think the fact that the Chargers are there and are guaranteed one of those four. Yeah, that they're okay sticking at five.
0: Yeah, you might be I, right.
1: I don't think they move up unless there is somebody in there that they feel like they absolutely cannot miss out on, which I think would be Marvin Harrison Jr. And maybe they feel that way, but I don't think teams are going to, I just don't think they're going to see there's that big of a difference to give up something to come up. Um, yeah. Good point. I think if I think if the Patriots end up trading back from three, it's going to be because somebody likes Jaden Daniels or, and you know anybody. We, it's crazy talk to say J.J. McCarthy at three, but it was crazy talk to say Trey Lance at three when we were having this conversation three years ago. Um, and if you know we talked about Jim Harbaugh to Atlanta and the Falcons wanted to go get their quarterback. Yeah, see, I don't know. The, I, Trey, I don't Lance think it's the trade land stuff. The trade land stuff I think is a little bit
0: blown out of proportion only because. You know, before the 2019, before the 2020 season, he was a top five pick before the season started. Yeah, people liked him a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, and so then he didn't really play in 2020. And so normally we saw anything and they said, wow, you was ceiling
1: so high that, you know, yeah. we'll still draft him in the but top I, five. I, I don't think it's one to one, but more so that somebody falls in love with a quarterback and moves up to go get him. Uh, yeah. Possible. I do probably be Jaden Daniels though at three. I think the only way the Patriots end up trading back is if somebody – Wants to come up for a quarterback because I think that's the only way they're going to make it worth it for the Patriots. Uh, true, true. Because you know if you're sitting there at three and you got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., they're sitting in your lap as a guy who immediately fixes your wide receiver issue. think If you're in New England, you got to be really tempted to come off of that, and you'll listen. You definitely listen in that spot, but I think that's you're only point. doing it if somebody's given up QB level, QB trade level uh, picks and, and ammunition. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: So. So we'll see, but I, I, you know, and there's a long way to go and we'll, we'll get into the draft at some point and I'm going to have my mock draft coming out, not this upcoming Monday, but the Monday after that, I still have to decide what I'm going to do. Um, because I'm going to be moving around a little bit. I think at the beginning, we'll see what happens. I yeah. if Cliff, if they, if, if Chicago hires cliff as the OC, which it seems like it's heading that way. If they hire him as the OC, I, I don't see how they possibly don't take, um, kayla williams at number one like uh, you'd hire his college offensive coordinator and then don't take him that'd be crazy
1: yeah that's when i don't i'm still i still look at the way the bears have been acting and it was greg roman and, and cliff kingsbury who they brought in for interviews that feels like more of a sell me in what you do with this quarterback for fields and then for kayla williams type of thing to help figure out the way they might get used on the field and the way they should do it going forward and you know the the bears have every reason to make this as confusing as possible on the outside because they would are presumably going to trade one of the assets. They're either trading number one or they're trading fields. And if that's what's going to happen, you want it to be confusing on the outside so that teams feel like they have to give up a little bit more to get what they want. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I still think, I, I mean, I think, I think Caleb Williams does go number one, and I think it's going to be obvious by the end, but I think the Bears are going to try to cover it up for as long as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. And so we'll see. We'll see. All right. So the Patriots brought in a pair or are bringing in a pair of offensive coordinators to, um, to interview. They both are on the Ram staff, which I think makes a lot of sense. I think Gerard Mayo, what I, what I like about what Gerard Mayo is doing is that he's bringing in young coaches. Okay. Mm-hmm. Young coaches, Nick Haley, who was a coach for the Patriots for quite a while. Um, and now is a coach for the Rams. And then Zach Robinson, who was always a coach for the Rams. But was like Gerard Mayo, drafted by the New England Patriots. And so my pick here is Zach Robinson and my goal, what I what I think our goal should be, and I don't know, I don't know who the other guy is. I don't know who the third guy is because I'm not sure if there are any if if there even is anyone. But I want a full Patriots drafted coaching staff. <laughs> I just want oh, all the guys to be draft picks of the Patriots because Mayo's already draft pick of the Patriots. Zach Robinson was a draft pick of the Patriots. If you can find a defensive guy out there that, like, is a – you know, is some sort of coach somewhere, is a D-backs coach or whatever for some team. I know there's some players that have played for the Patriots but not drafted by the Patriots. And so, yeah. um, you know, can we find a guy that was drafted by the Patriots that uh, – the old, old man mom says, Hightower, let's do it. Bring in Dante Hightower and have him be the D.C. Jamie, right?
1: Jamie Collins linebacker. Jamie Collins, right? Like, you know, so yeah.
0: – So, you know, but but nevertheless, and that's obviously that's not going to happen defensive coordinator wise. But I do think Zach Robinson is is the easier choice. He's been in L.A. He's a Sean McVay guy. Kaylee's there and he has familiarity with the Patriots, but he's not a McVay guy.
1: Well, I I look at this and I, I my first question is, why are we why are we saying this as an or conversation? You remember last year? They brought in a whole bunch of guys to interview for offensive coordinator, and one of them ends up on the staff in Adrian Clem. And I feel like that's how they should approach this. Right now, Zach Robinson is the pass game coordinator, QB coach for the Rams. Nick Caley is the tight ends coach. You can bring them both in with promotions, guys who know how to work together um, and continue that relationship in new England that I don't think this is an either or thing. I think you can do both and make Zach Robinson, your offensive coordinator and make mm-hmm. Nick Haley tight ends coach and assistant offensive coordinator, or however you want to do it and give him a boosted title and let them do that. I think I prefer Zach Robinson more just because I think he has familiar, he has so much familiarity with that offense and how it works. And I I, I like the idea of going in that direction, especially when, you know, we're so unproven at the quarterback position and you look at the McVay style of offense and how they've elevated quarterbacks who haven't right. been that good. I like that. And then Nick Haley. I mean, I don't, he was hit or miss new England. he has been in new England since 2015 was the tight ends coach since 2017. We've talked up on here previously about how bad the tight ends have been in that span. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keen not turning into anything even remotely useful. The, the disappointment that was John O. Smith. Maybe Nick Haley wasn't the reason for any of that. But I do think when he was here, we were disappointed with a lot of the tight end product it's that true. we saw on the field. And you know that also includes 2019 after Gronk when they're, they're trying to figure out an offense. And, you know, Ryan it wasn't anything to write home about. And um, so that was an issue. But I do think he's well liked by the people around him. And I suspect some of that was also a personnel issue, you know. You only work with the guys you got, and if the, you can't develop them because they're not good, then that's, that's all there is to it. Right. So I think the Zach Robinson, Nick Cayley combo is my favorite of all the options they have right now. My only concern with it is that if you do that, you're probably going to have a, a, an outside zone offensive line. So you've got to bring in a new offensive line coach for it. One who's very familiar with that style. Yeah. And you know, that might mean Michael when has gone, um, I don't know if that's a scheme fit for him and it probably does. If you're going to switch to that style of offense, going and giving him all that money, if he's not going to be a fit and paying him for four years or whatever, I'm not sure if that makes sense. And I don't know if you're going to get a better player, but sinking in a lot of money to a guy who you're just doing it to do it. Um, right. Also doesn't make sense. So curious to see where they go with it for sure. And, um, and you know, they're going to have more interviews here too. They have to. So, I'm very right. curious to see what those look like as well, because this isn't the only school of thought out there for offense.
0: Well, and that's really what it comes down to. Right. And I think I would love to see on new back. But you're right. Like the scheme fit is is such a big part of, you know, especially if you're going to drop a ton of money on a guy scheme fit is massive. Um, and so he does have pretty good movement skills, I think. But his that's not his game. Right, he's not a movement guy necessarily, and so, you know, maybe he doesn't quite fit the system they want to run in, and, and maybe they maybe he does. I don't know. Um, you know, I guess we'll kind of see where that goes. The the hard thing is that Trent Brown doesn't fit that system either. If that's the case, no. and so he's gone too. At which I think he should be gone anyways. So he's gone too. So now you're looking at it saying, okay, we have
1: both tackle spots. <laughs> that's really difficult. Um, yeah, yep. You know, and then you're looking at what the Packers did. You know, the Packers have similar style offense there and both of their tackles this year were day three picks who they drafted and developed over time True, and you're gonna have to have a lot of that and unless you're drafting tackle in the first round you're probably gonna be worse at the position next year but you're kind of doing it for the sake of getting better for the future you know one step one step backward to take two steps forward Uh, and you also look at you know guys who are available in free agency you're not like you're not going to find a super high quality tackle there and you're going to be a little bit rough at the spot, but I think you're hoping that with the right coaching um, you make it work. So I don't know. Uh, and you're probably, you know, it's a deep tackle draft. So you can pick somebody in the second or third round this year and get somebody baseline competent. I think, I think you have better odds this year than you would have in some of the years past, but it's still, you know, a risky proposition, especially right. if you're dropping in a rookie quarterback.
0: Well, that's the thing. So that, so Nick Knapps is asking an interesting question. My buddies is in the chat. Um, And he's asking, you know, is it a multi-year rebuild? Are they trying to bring in, you know, try to bring in everyone you can to win? Of course, you want to bring in as much as you can. But, like, how many spots on offense need to be filled or replaced, right? And you feel like – and then, you know, uh, Mr. Bill W. says all of them. And it kind of feels that way. It kind of feels like you need to fill almost all the spots, right? And, like, you know, you talk about if, if you let go of Onwenu, and assuming you don't bring Trent Brown, which, please, God, don't bring Trent Brown back. You need a left tackle and a right tackle. You might need a center. Now, maybe on when, uh, maybe Cole Strange flips the center. Maybe Jake Andrews can play center. I don't know. But you need you need to know whether you have a center or not. So this, there's two, maybe three spots. You need at least two good wide receivers. Right? So there's two wide receivers right there. So there's two more spots. You need a quarterback. Right? You need a third down back. Need a tight end. <laughs> so, I mean, well, other than that, they're doing great. Like, they, well, they have no offense.
1: And when you look two years down the line, let's say we'll look at the 2025 offense where you want to be at that point. I think yeah. we expect David Andrews is gone at that yep. point. You are probably going to have two new tackles between now and then. Cole Strange is still very much a mystery. City, so looked good at. at points, but, you know, pass protection was rough for him. He's a really good run blocker, but that's also in a mostly gap power inside zone system. He might not be a fit for the new thing. Uh, Receiver, you know, everybody but Bob Douglas and possibly Kendrick Bourne, but he's a free agent. Tight end, you don't have any on the roster for next year. Quarterback, you need a new one. Ramondre Stevenson's contract is up after next season. They don't have any fullbacks. Uh, I mean, there's there's a it's real a chance mess. that when the 2025 season starts, you're going to have eight or nine plus new starters on offense from your last game of the 2023 season. Um, and that, that's not, it's also not a bad thing. This offense wasn't good. There isn't yeah. a lot to hold on to. Right. They should be turning this thing over because not a lot of reason to keep a lot of these guys. So um, it's, we're looking at a two or three year, Rebuild, I think you're just kind of hoping that somewhere along the line you hit something that speeds up the process or you know you hit on something that gets you to good. and you know it's not the long-term solution, but you get to good and then you can build from there instead yeah. of going all the way back down to zero, kind of like they did this year and rebuild. well, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing for me is that
0: you look at it's it's an interesting spot because you ask yourself, you know we could be the Texans. Or we could be the Panthers. Like you, just you don't know if you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're not sure where you where where you're going to be, right? You don't know if all of a sudden that quarterback's going to be like, "Holy crap, that guy's unbelievable!" Right? And I think CJ Stroud is playing better. It played had a better year this year than he did ever in college. He looked better at quarterback than he did at, at Ohio State, and so that's not something that you typically see. Yeah, and so. That is interesting to me. Okay, how are you going to look on the field, right? How are you going to play? I think the Texans had a better roster than the Patriots did do right now. Yes. But, you know, that's that's the hard thing for me is that I, you know, I wonder what happens, right? I wonder what happens. Do you look at it and you say, all right, fine. We were competitive there. We're building something. Great, and and they are, and Houston wasn't, you know, I mean, like we said, Houston wasn't really competing for a championship, but the fact that they were able to to be that good right away and win the division right away is impressive. And you see where Stroud is going, and now you can kind of build some pieces to get there, and you're going to have guys because guys want to play with with great quarterbacks because great quarterbacks win championships. That's what happens, and so when you have a great quarterback, guys want to play there. So if you if you look at CJ Stroud as an elite quarterback, you're going to get guys. Obviously on the offensive side, but even on the
1: defensive side that want to play with him because they feel like he gives them a chance to win. And right? uh, and beyond that, I mean you have a wide receiver one, a quarterback one, and, and a pass rusher one, you know, pro bowl level guys at all three spots right now, all on rookie deals, which gives you so much more money to throw around and get people to to come play with you. And I think you know, it's the Patriots are not gonna be like the Texans because right. Texans had uh, we a uh, franchise left tackle and a budding Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver on their roster, which not think But well, we knew about Laramie Tunsil. We didn't know if Nico Collins was going right. to turn into this guy, like a yeah. Brandon Ayuk type guy out there. But he has, and he's really good. And yeah. unless you know, Pop Douglas turns into that guy next year, and you know, Vidarian Lowe turns into a franchise <laughs> left tackle overnight, <laughs> I, that's that's not what the Patriots are going to be. And I think. Um, I don't know. my my opinion is still, you know, I, I want to get a quarterback, but I also don't think you can force that pick. If you don't love yeah. a guy at three, do not take a quarterback just for the sake of taking a quarterback. That's not, no. um, that's not how it works. And then I also look at the coordinators they're bringing in. You look at that Rams McVay style of offense. I don't think that's a Jaden Daniels offense. That's no. a Drake May offense. Mm-hmm. That is a Bo Nix maybe offense maybe a jj mccarthy offense but caleb williams is a guy who plays in a lot more of a spread jaden daniels plays in a lot more of a spread michael Penix is a guy who has one big weakness as a quarterback is that he can't attack the middle of the field that's where he struggles that's the heart of the mcveigh offense is right. finding ways to attack the middle of the field so if that's where you are and may isn't on the board don't take a quarterback at three if this is the direction you want to go with your offense unless they have some, you know, unless they're looking at what's going on in Baltimore and trying to integrate what we've seen in Baltimore the last five years with a McVay offense. And they want to go for that. And you want to take Jaden Daniels. Then, you know, I can get on board with that as a concept, but if they're trying to run what they've run in Los Angeles, then I don't think there's going to be a quarterback available at three. Who's worth that pick. Who fits that? <laughs> oh, no, you knew it was coming. You knew the McCarthy reference
0: was coming. Um, look, it's, that's the question, right? That's the question. And I think as we kind of go along here, you ask – you look at it and say, all right, do you want the third-best quarterback at three? Or do you think someone's going to make a mistake, right? Do you look at this and think they're going to screw it up? The Bears are going to take the wrong guy at one, or you know, Washington's going to take the wrong guy at two, and the mm-hmm. guy that we really have as our number one guy on the board is available at three? Right, and maybe that's the and if that's the case, then you take them right. But run to the podium. (laughs) Caleb Williams is
1: there at three. Then you run to the podium and you figure the rest out later.
0: You know, and so that's the thing, right? But if you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, we're at three. Jaden Daniels is available. You know, Caleb and Drake may have gone one two. We like Jaden Daniels, but we don't love Jaden Daniels. You know, why don't we move back? You know, maybe we take. Maybe we take uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe we move back to six or seven, and maybe there's a guy a team that's in love with with Jaden Daniels and they want to get up there and to take him. So okay, you move back. It would say it's Atlanta. I don't know. I don't think it will be, but say it's Atlanta. You move back to eight. Atlanta jumps up to three. They take Jaden Daniels. You're at eight. You draft Joe Walt or Fashanu from Penn State or, or Brock Leak Bowers Magers or Brock Bowers or yeah. one of those guys. You're yeah. going to get a first-round pick for next year as well for a team that has a rookie quarterback. You never know how that's going to go. And so to me, you know, that's starting to look a little bit more enticing. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but, you know, that's kind of, that looks a little bit more enticing. Now, do you draft a guy like Bone Hicks in the second round? Do you draft mm-hmm. a guy like Joe Milton, who people have mentioned in the chat a little bit? Oh, I'm
1: out of Joe Milton. <laughs> I'm very so, out, Joe and that's Milton. okay,
0: and that's okay. But I'm, I'm just
1: saying, do you yeah. take a shot in the fourth or fifth round at Joe yeah, Milton, which the, is where he's going to go, right? You the, know, the, the pro with Joe Milton is that he could hit the top of the lighthouse at Gillette, Gillette <laughs> Stadium. The con is that he was aiming for the guy in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, um, that's that's what you so, get with him. Oh, that's well, that's yeah,
0: and I, that's the thing. And, and he's a little bit older, and I so I understand that. But again, if you think, wow, what's doing? If you don't take a a quarterback. And you're looking for someone with some like crazy upside potential, and you take him in the fifth round or whatever, like what's the harm?
1: You know, like, it, it oh yeah, once think, you get to Dave, who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um. Although here's the thing: we say what's the harm now? It's just going to be great now know, until we get to the middle of the season next year, and they took a quarterback in the fifth round. The next breakout receiver went ten picks later, and there's going to yeah, be well, that's. But you can't sm-
0: control that. I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? And you know, the Patriots are going to have drafted at least one wide receiver before then. You know, so it's just like oh, yeah. no. I'm just you know, people will. You know, once you get to day three, it's – it's. I mean, Tony Mazz's – you see Tony Mazz's tweet this morning about, that's what what the
1: hell are we talking about? That's what I'm referencing there. would you? Yeah, no, I'm not – like, there is – there's a lot of things to criticize the Patriots for drafting in the last decade. But yeah, taking a kicker when they needed a kicker, even if they missed on the pick, they needed a kicker. That was – you know, you had to do that, and they took a guy that, like, sometimes it doesn't work out. That's the nature of this whole thing. Correct. Yeah. um, Correct yeah and i yeah i the more i think about like that's it's also i think you don't overthink this i think if you're at pick three and there's no good trade offers or anything i think you just take the guy who might be the best prospect in the draft and marvin harrison jr and fix the wide receiver issue we've been complaining about since 2017 and yeah. you figure out the rest you know that helps your offense in a, a ton of ways and you know marvin harrison jr kendrick born and pop douglas is a nice nice start to get things going and Um, I think no matter where this goes, you're going to sign tackles and you're going to sign a quarterback and you're going to sign receivers so that when you get into the draft, you have flexibility. Like, you don't, if you go into the draft and you need to draft a quarterback, what are we doing? You're setting yourself up for failure that way. Sign somebody who can start games for you if you need them to start games for you, whether that's Brissett or Baker Mayfield or Gardner Minshew or – insert your preferred backup quarterback of choice here yeah
0: well and that's and honestly that becomes it's one of those other situations too that if you decide to draft a quarterback now you have a guy that can mentor him behind him right and so which is nice you know what i mean and so especially a guy like Brissett, like i love Brissett because he's such a great guy in the locker room like i i Mm -hmm. like that you know so of course you got you know you gotta have the guy in front of him and he's not a great quarterback by any stretch but you know it's one of those things
1: so um yeah. And it's, but, you know, we're not, we're, we're trying to get to good first. Like correct. we got to You got to walk before you can run here at this point. And to your point,
0: right. You talk about, you know, in this Mike Evans is going to mention the chat a few times. T Higgins mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, yeah. a, a free agent. Michael Pittman is going to be a free agent, right? Hollywood um, Brown, you know, Hollywood Brown, right. Is going to be a free agent. Brandon Iuka isn't a free agent, but he is on the last year of his deal. So like, so you look at some of these players and you're like, man, there's some really, really good wide receivers available. Now, there's a very good chance that the majority of them resign, right? I think that I think the Colts would be incredibly stupid to let Michael Pittman walk. Would be just yeah, beyond have to. dumb to let yeah. him walk. You have a second year quarterback who looked electric at the beginning of the year last year. Pittman's clearly your number one wide receiver. You have to surround your your quarterback with talent. You got to yeah. bring that guy back, right? T Higgins, I don't know if he's going to be able to come back or not. They might not be able to to squeeze him under the cap. They might.
1: They might not. I think they sign him and let Tyler Boyd go, who is another slightly interesting guy. Um, Yeah. The name I also think about is Calvin Ridley. uh, Yeah. Because if the the Jaguars re-sign him, then they have to give up a second round pick instead of a third as part of that trade. That was in all of the right. super complicated right. terms of that yes, trade. Yes yes, yes, yes. Yep. I do wonder if they say, "Hey, we don't want to pay whatever this price is going to be and give up the extra pick. We're going to go in the draft and try to get someone." That's um, a good point, especially because they might have a uh, Brian Thomas Jr. or a Keon Coleman or whoever available where they are, who they might just say, "We're going to roll with this." Yeah, um, he's a guy who I think would be interesting in new england he's a little bit older than you would expect but not as much wear on the tires Uh, he was just an older guy coming out of college and he's got the year suspension in there um true yeah but if this this offense if it's pop douglas calvin really and marvin harrison jr next year you can throw in any backup quarterback and your offense is going to look you know serviceable at points it'll be it still won't be a good offense but it will be less boring than it was this past season and that's an improvement right and that's really what it comes down to right and and then
0: you just and then you kind of figure out what's going on right you Mm -hmm. look at it and say all right well you know what do we have what can we build around you've signed Mm -hmm. these guys you've signed a backup quarterback you've signed you know a number one ish wide receiver right and you feel like okay we got pop douglas probably have kb coming back it seems like kendrick Bourne's I, wants to come back and is going think to come back.
1: It seems like either New England or wherever Belichick goes, as long as the offer is competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: I, I'd, love um, so we'll I, I'd love to see him back here,
1: and so we'll see what happens. But I'd love to see him
0: back here, and I hope the Patriots want that as well. So you know, if you're talking about, you know, I think that's pretty solid, right? When when you talk about you know bringing in one of those guys, whether it be Evans or Pittman or whomever else, right? And then you have Douglas, and then you have Bourne, and then you know somewhere down the line you have either Parker or Juju, whoever, whomever ends up staying out of there. Um, I think one of those guys. I would say I think I think Parker's money is too big. I, it doesn't matter either way. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a position where you don't have to draft Marvin Harrison number three. You could, but you don't have to because you have a serviceable enough offense. You have a legitimate, legitimately good quarterback, uh, wide mm-hmm. receiver. Right. You could take Jaden Daniels. But you don't have to, yeah. because you've dra- you've you've brought in a veteran quarterback, right? You could take an offensive lineman, but maybe you know you've already you've signed a tackle, and you don't feel it, you know. So you want to set yourself up in free agency that you're not looking at it saying this is the one thing that we have to take, yeah. because number one, you know you have no leverage when you're trying to make a trade, right? That's number one, and then number two, you. Yourself have no leverage if you're looking at it saying we have no choice but to draft a quarterback. Well, now we have to every do whatever it do. takes to draft a quarterback, and that that yeah. doesn't seem so. It's like if someone comes to you and says, You know, this happened to the Bengals, and this is my favorite, my favorite trade, my favorite draft A trade ever, never happened when um the New Orleans Saints called listen to any Bengals and offered them basically every pick that they ever owned to move up to three. Mm-hmm. And the Bengals said no, because they needed a quarterback. And they drafted Akili Smith, who is arguably the worst quarterback to ever play professional football. His his numbers, if you get a chance one day, go go to profootballreference.com. Look up Achilles Smith. It's it's incredible. And they and the Saints were like, We'll give you literally everything. This is the draft that they traded. I don't I don't even know who they traded up with, but they drafted Rick Williams and they literally traded their entire draft to move up and draft. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a crazy, yeah, crazy trade. And so, but they, they offered like their pick their first round pick for the next, like two years after that. And like three or four second round picks and a third round. It was outrageous how much they offered. And they were like, no, we have to draft a quarterback. And so it's like, well, if you set yourself up in that situation, you then can't take that outrageous offer. Like it doesn't matter who's on the board at three. If you're at one. Okay. Maybe you think it's a general. If you're at three. There's no reason you shouldn't take that deal if if you're moving back to ten, you know
1: yeah. what I mean. And so, yeah. When I. So anyways, I, that's I, I that's the way I look at it. You know. Well, you don't have. To, you can go back in New England history, recent history here. Uh, the Cole Strange pick. The Patriots went into that draft with no plan at guard and right. drafted one in the first round. As a result, oh. you know, there's a lot of everything around that pick but part of the issue was they needed a guard that was a yep. desperation pick right. and if you go into the draft and needing a position you're doing it wrong you need to have bodies at every spot that you can put on the field and it doesn't have to be a good team but it needs to be a team that you feel like you know won't get it, it's won't go zero and 17 on you It needs to be a team that can win games and you can do that in free agency um so yeah curious to see i did see speaking of free agency somebody away uh, Way, way back in the chat, had asked about Chris Jones and free agency. Mm, if the yeah. Chiefs let him go, I would not be surprised if he hits free agency. And we talked about all the receivers the Patriots could sign. So, real chance none of them hit the market. So, real chance all of them end up back with their teams. And if that's the case, Patriots are in a tough position where they have a lot of money to spend and no real way to address their needs with it. You might not, I mean, you might not be able to pay tack like there's not gonna be tackles worth that money there's not gonna be receivers worth that money but there could be three oh, or four God. defensive tackles here oh. who are pro bowl level defensive tackles available in free agency and if you got all that money to spend add good players you know if yeah. or like uh, christian wilkins is a name that comes to mind or uh, justin matabuke from baltimore and um yeah if you have a you have a chance to go from great to elite at defensive tackle in a way that really helps you schematically you know that frees up your edge rushers to do a ton more frees up guys in the back end allows you to be a lot more versatile with the pressures that you bring allows you to be a lot better stuffing the run you can stuff the run and rush the passer out of a lot of the same looks and yeah you know we're in the business of making the team better i don't think this should be like 2021 where they threw crazy money at unproven guys at key spots don't overspend i know we all want to see this team get better it doesn't help you if you're going to go out and give tyler boyd a massive contract he's a good receiver but he doesn't he doesn't elevate you a ton and if you go give him a ton of money in two years three years you're probably going to regret that don't do something like that sign guys who are worth the money i'd rather leave money unspent and saved for future extensions or future free agencies than spend the money just to spend the money right True, that's true.
0: By the way, someone mentioned Godshaw. He he does have one you left in his deal, but it's like the out is like three million dollars. It's easy. It's easily He's cuttable great. if you if you wanted yeah. to move on from
1: him. Well, that, that's the other thing. You can move on from Guy and Godshaw here, free up money, and use that to go sign a different defensive tackle who yeah. uh, is younger. And yeah. I like uh, they're both good players, but I think that second defensive tackle spot is a spot you can improve in your front seven,
0: right? By the way, I mentioned Achilles Smith, and a few people mentioned other things in the chat. But but the Achilles Smith thing, 22 games, 17 starts, 17 starts in his career, 3-14 and 14 record, 46% completion percentage, 2,212 yards, 5 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Just absolutely abysmal.
1: The, the only Just guy who I can think of that's
0: worse than that is like Josh Rosen. Yeah, right. But Josh Rosen didn't start enough games for it to matter. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing yep. for me is that this guy actually started – he started uh, 11 – he played in 12 games and started 11 games in the second year. So, like, mm-hmm. he played like a full – and then he started four games his rookie year. So, anyways, um, nevertheless.
1: Yeah, so, and I – yeah. I, can no, I can I address another comment in the chat too, by the yes, way? I no, that I because I've, we've got a number of questions in here about Cortland Sutton. As a yeah. New England possibility, and right. they can move off of his contract. I think, um, I think he has one year. Let me see. I think he has one year left after this. It's either one or two. He has two seasons left, and the Patriots would pay like thirteen million each of the next two seasons, probably. Which is, I mean, that that's fine value for him. I'm not opposed to that. I like that idea. It's just going to depend on you know what you have to give up to make that happen. I'm probably not giving up more than a day three pick for that just when you consider his injury history, the fact that he'll be 30 by the end of that. Right. Um, he's better than Devonte Parker for sure, but he's kind of, you know, at best a wide receiver too. I think he's kind of the midpoint between T Higgins and Devonte Parker, especially when you consider the injuries, you know, you can count on him probably missing time every single season. Um, and if you have to give up draft capital as part of that, that's, That's tough. Uh, And also unrelated, but Mike Larry just asked it. Who is the Ravens defensive coordinator? That's Mike McDonald. He was a defensive coach for the Ravens for a while, went to Michigan to be their defensive coordinator for, I believe, two seasons and then came back to be the defensive coordinator of the Ravens. So, uh, yeah, he is fantastic. And that defensive style is very similar to things that we have seen in New England in the past. That's how New England's defense has looked when it's good before. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: By the way, Nick Knapps mentioned uh, Ryan Leaf, who who probably is the greatest uh, draft bust of all time. Yeah, that yeah, quarterback, right? And uh, you could make the argument about Jamarcus Russell, obviously too. But Ryan Leaf is is
1: blank, you know, blank great, DVD. Jamarcus Russell, Russell. Yes,
0: great, great story with Ryan Leaf. Um, you know, and his in his personal life and what he's overcome, but uh, terrible quarterback, and he he freely admits that. Um, so, but nevertheless, I, I look. There's a million different ways that the Patriots could go, and I think you know this is one of my favorite parts, honestly, of, of this, when, you know, the chats fly in and people are asking a million questions and we're kind of bouncing things off and then they're throwing out ideas and where I, I enjoy doing that. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I love, you know, people be in the chat and, you know, we got 200 and something people, 240 people watching right now, which is great. And there people are in the chat asking questions and and throwing out ideas. And I love that. Right. And so, but it's like, I just feel like we end up kind of circling those same different ideas right now. Nothing's clear right now. We don't know what type of offense they're going to run. Right, Michael Falco is very upset about that. That they don't know what type of offense they're going to run yet uh, on January twentieth.
1: But we got time. Patient. You know, we don't. We don't Patience. know exactly
0: what offense we're going to run yet. We don't know exactly what kind of defense we want to run yet. Um, you know, we don't know what the personnel looks like just yet. Right. There's a lot of options. But the other. The other part of it is that we don't know what's going to be available for them. Are there guys that become
1: available? Yeah, I mean there's uh, the, the whole – what the trade market looks like.
0: Right. Does Stefan Diggs want to Buffalo? Now, is Buffalo going to trade in New England? Probably not. But you never know. If, if New England can put together the best offer for him, maybe they will. Now, it kind of seems like he wouldn't want to go from Buffalo with Josh Allen to New England with whomever the hell their quarterback yeah. can be next year. But
1: you never know. Yeah. And you I think know? he's under he's under contracts for a bit here. I think, I think he ends up staying – Um, I think so too. I, I, but this rumblings about him not being happy, whatever,
0: but I don't, I don't see a reason why they would want to trade him unless he's being that much of a pain in the ass, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're in new England here, as much as it hurts, because we know we were in the playoffs two years ago, thinking we're rebuilding this thing and we're going to be two years off, a year off. And we're going to be right back where we were. And we're right now we're back to the bottom of the NFL. I think the key is to have some degree of patience with this. I think you need to build this in a sustainable way and um, I'm not saying don't take risks. I'm not saying don't take a quarterback. I'm saying don't force it. This right. team is not close enough to go all in. Look at trains. It's not worth, you're not, you're not making a big crazy trade this offseason. You know, I'd love Brandon Ayuk to come to New England. If it's two firsts for Brandon Ayuk, <laughs> something like, something crazy like that, or even a first, I'm not giving up next year's first for Brandon Ayuk because odds are that's going to be a top 12 pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. I love Brandon Ayuk. I would I love him in New England. That's not that's not sustainable for New England going forward. I think you want to have a little bit of homegrownness to this. Sign some role players. Let the coaches establish a system, and the goal is that by probably year three of whatever this administration is, you are a playoff team. That's I think the I think the goal is to look. Functionally better next season. You don't have to have, win more games, but you want to look functionally better. You want more cohesion year yeah. two. I think you want to surprise people. I think you want to take a step forward that people didn't see coming. That's going to come from player development internally, and you know a fourth round pick that was taken being better than people thought, or a sixth round pick being better than people thought. And then the idea is then by year three, that's when your quarterback will have a year or two or of experience right. under their belt, and you have a whole scheme built up. And you've, added talent. And after that second year off season, that's when you can start to go all in and make some of the big moves. It's just, you know, we're, we're back at the beginning of this life cycle, unless they get somewhere very lucky along the way and accelerate it. It's going to take time. Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't the case. And I hope that's the thing. thing.
0: And honestly, right now with the amount of holes that you have on your team, it's not the worst thing in the world. You need good. You need good players. What's the point of winning eight games next year? If you, if you, Sign Jacoby Brissett to come in and be a stopgap for you for a year, and he leads the Patriots to an eight-nine record. Like that's great. You can brag about it on Twitter to your friends and stuff, and you can, you know, oh hey, look, we won eight games. But like ultimately, what does that do for you, right? Yeah, that doesn't help you because you have so many holes and you need elite players. Winning eight games doesn't help you because you're you're drafting fifteenth again, and now you didn't draft a quarterback this year. You need a quarterback next year. You're not going to get one. Right, and so that's and one I, of those things that makes it difficult.
1: Well, I think the other the other half of that thing too is that um, you want to see the the team itself play better. Like you want you want it to, you want the team to play better, but not necessarily to translate into wins. Because you know, at a point in here, you do need to draft a quarterback. If it isn't this year, you're going to need to do it the year after. You're going to trade for somebody, or you're going to try to sign somebody if they hit free agency. That's going to be the play. And when that opportunity comes around. You would like the team to be good enough that you can be competitive in, you know, if it's a trade talk or free agency talk, or if it's a draft that you feel like you can put a quarterback into this system and things are going to work. That's why I actually, I I meant to tweet out some clips and I didn't get around to editing them. The guy I came around to way more than I was expecting to. And I got into the tape was Bo Nix. I don't think he's special. I don't think he's a franchise guy. But I do think in the right system, he's a guy who could start year one and be like we talked about Sam Howell. I think he could be a little bit better version of what Sam Howell was at points. Um, And he's a guy you're probably going to get in the second round. Although I did, I think I sent it to you after our last show. Um, The name of the reporter is escaping me right now. I'll have to go back and find it. But one of the guys was uh, Benjamin Albright was talking about where he what the buzz he's been hearing about quarterbacks, and he's hearing Bo Nix and JJ McCarthy as early second late first round guys he's also hearing michael penix is a definite day 2 possibly round 3 type of quarterback which yeah. um you know i like i like a lot of what michael penix does but he has a lot of holes in his game for a guy who's played that long and he has a lot of medical concerns um and i don't think teams are going to like him until that point i don't think i think if you're new england you can probably There's feel safe yeah. If you like Michael Penix in New England, I feel like you can probably feel confident either taking him in the third with your pick or trading up from where you are in the third round and getting him somewhere in the mid to late second. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go into this McVay style offense, I think Bonex can run that because you don't you're not asking for a ton of high difficulty throws. And that's uh all right, we can get somebody at the quarterback position for now. We're gonna go from an F grade to a C minus at the position right. and then we're going to build a team and we're going to see maybe he gets better. And if he doesn't, in two years, we're going to take another stab at the position.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. that's what you're trying to do. Ultimately, you're trying to get to a situation where you can build around an elite court. You need a quarterback to win, you have to get one. Right. And so you have to draft that quarterback. Now, whether that quarterback comes in the first round, like Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, like, like Mahomes, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like this guy and that guy or whether he comes in the third round like Dak Prescott or the seventh round like Brock Purdy, or, you know, so like those are the situations where it's like, it doesn't matter with a sixth round like Tom Brady. It doesn't matter where the guy comes from. It matters once he's here, how do you build around him? How do you support him? How do you build the team up? How do you build him up? Those are the questions that you need to answer. And that's, that's what the Patriots have not done a good enough job doing. They didn't do a good enough job with it with Mac Jones. They didn't yeah. do a good enough job with Bailey Zappi. Now, there's a possibility that Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi were always going to be not good, and it, it was never going to work. But you, you didn't get the best out of Mac Jones this year, definitively. You put him in a bad spot. You put him in a bad spot last year. You put him in a bad spot again this year. He didn't rise to the occasion. He didn't make himself better, but. You didn't help him out that much, right? And so, and that's the issue for me is that you have to put the guy in a good situation to see what he has. We yeah. don't know what Mac Jones is right now. We, Mac Jones isn't good, but I think we can pretty definitively say Mac Jones isn't a starting
1: level quarterback. Or the that version life. that exists right now, no. <laughs> that's
0: the thing. But what we saw in 2021, it was a little limited, but like, you're like, okay, he could do something, right? And so, it's one of those issues for me that I think I look at it and just think like, man, you never know. Like he could have been okay. Yeah. But then again, as Austin Gale says, the worst thing in the NFL is a good quarterback because then you're just stuck yeah. in the middle. Right. Yeah. And yeah.
1: so, yeah. you know, and I, yeah. and I think I'm going to go back here, David, I think David put this perfectly. He says bottom line is Pats need to hit on players in at least the first three rounds. I think yep. that's the case here. I think regardless of position, Uh, The first three rounds, your first two days of the draft, you want three starter level players on offense. You you need that. Um, Whether that's you're finding a tackle, whether you're finding a guard in there, a tight end, a wide receiver, quarterback, running back, wherever it is, you need guys who are that good because uh, you're going to need a lot more of them going forward and you need your premium picks to be hits. And not just that,
0: but as they did last year with the defense, the first three picks, at least the first three picks should be offense. And that's that's the thing for me is just is load up on the the side of the ball. And, you know, like you say, throw darts at the board and see what happens. Right. And I think they should draft multiple wide receivers. Again, I think they need to draft another, another running back at some point and, you know, draft a few more offensive linemen.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, look at running back. They got one really good one. Who's up after this year. And I think we saw weaknesses there. Like they, they need everything on offense. There's no, there's no position where you're not thinking about drafting a guy there. So Um, And I I think, again, the biggest key is you can't miss on guys. You can't have a total bust in the first or second round this year. If that happens, um, you're going to be picking right up near the top again in the near future. Right. And this is what we talked
0: about. You know, right after the draft, we talked about Detroit and Detroit's draft and how people killed them. Absolutely killed them for drafting Gibbs at 12, Jack Campbell at 18. You draft Laporta and Brian Branch in the second round, and people just absolutely lit them up. I don't know what you're doing. Why are you a running back at 12? One of the things that we said was that you're taking you're, you're making an educated guess. You're taking a bet that got, these guys are going to be at least good. You're not taking this wild swing that this guy is going to be an elite player or he's going to suck. And so you get these guys that you think are – we look at it and say, all right, we're good. Like, they're good players. They may not be superstars, but they're good, solid players. And then Gibbs outperformed what you thought he was going to do. Branch outperformed what you thought he was going to do. Laporta outperformed what you thought he was going to do. So three out of those four guys outperformed what you thought they were going to do, and Jack Campbell probably gave you about what you expected. And all of a sudden, you're in the NFC Championship game, right? And so it's not that they didn't have a good team before that. But, like, but you get the idea here. Like, That that put them over the top. If you draft well and you hit on those guys, that's, that's how you end up in this spot, you know?
1: Yep. And it's, you know, you take enough picks on offense and you're going to get really good players in there. I'm going to Ross St. Brown's a day three guy who's turned into an NFL superstar at wide receiver and a huge part of that offense. Um, So, you know, that's, that's part of it here is just, you got to keep, you got to keep taking the shots because um, eventually you're going to hit. And that's, you know how we always talk about how for the most part under Bill Belichick, this team has always had good corners and always had a good secondary. You know why that is? Because they drafted a corner in the second round every single season and signed like 15 of them as undrafted free agents. Yep. If you bring in enough bodies, you are going to find talented players in there just, you know, by luck. It's one of the reasons why we think the Steelers are so good at drafting receivers. Hey, yeah, we talk about the good receivers the Steelers draft. Go look at the draft history. They had some really, really bad picks in there too. They just draft like two receivers every single season. And when you do that, you find good ones. So that's um, that's the Patriots kind of have to do that. And the Patriots have drafted three receivers in the last two drafts. They look to have gotten a starter capable guy and pop Douglas out of it. So the the strategy works out. You just got to do it. And it's another reason why you got to think about trading back. And that's not just the first round. If you're there in the second round and somebody says, Hey, we'll give you a day three pick a fourth round pick to move back a couple spots or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't have the value chart in front of me. Um, Unless you got a guy you love, you jump on some of those opportunities because having extra picks in there is how you can address some of this stuff. And, you know, they probably need a new kicker in there and you're probably going to have to draft or sign one there too. So getting the extra picks for those guys is huge.
0: Yeah. And that's, and I agree with that. And you get the number, you get the second overall pick in the second round. So, you know, you look at that and think, that's that's worth something. That's a valuable pick to yeah. have yes. that people want to trade up to. And so, we'll see. We'll see kind of where it goes. But um, but I do think that you, you know, you need to take as many hits, many as many shots at the dartboard as you possibly can. Yeah. You're not going to hit on, on all point. of them. But if you take enough of them, you're going to hit on some of them, right? Well, and then think, that's all anyone remembers.
1: I think the Pats have seven picks in this year's draft. I'm pretty sure is what it is. You're right. Yeah. If you can... If you can get that to eight or nine and have seven of them be offense and the other two you can use on miscellaneous things like a corner or a linebacker or defensive tackle yeah. or wherever you want to go with it, um, I think you got to do it. You know, 100%. it takes, you take a guy at every spot, two offensive yeah. linemen, a tight end, a running back, a wide receiver, and quarterback.
0: <laughs> also, uh, Patriots Loco says we should have Pickens and Flower on this, uh, Flowers on this roster, and I agree with you with George Pickens. He should be a Patriot. Maybe he was off their board because of off-field issues or whatever. I don't care. I freaking love the guy. I wanted him at 22. I want him again at 29. I want him at 50. I wanted him to draft him, and they didn't. And I'm pissed about it because he's a beast. He's a head case, but he's a beast. Zay Flowers, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You will never change my mind that
1: Christian Gonzalez wasn't the right pick. That was 100% the it's correct so... pick. Christian Gonzalez is yeah. a great pick. That's it. Done. Like and it's, that's it. Christian Gonzalez is basically the only guy I would have taken ahead of Zay Flowers at that. Correct. Point. And, and I again, have, I suspect the Patriots felt the same way by the interest they
0: showed too. Yes. And so it seemed it seemed to me, we've talked about this before, and I'll just make you're at 14. You know what Pittsburgh's drafting when they come up. You know that Washington has taken Forbes. Everyone said Washington has taken Forbes at 16. You know that, and so now you look at it and say, okay. 15 is the only pick we don't know. It's the Jets. Maybe they stick and they take someone. Maybe they don't. They're not taking a corner. They're probably not taking a wide receiver because they have elite guys at both of those positions. So they're probably not taking either one of those guys. They might, but they might not. But no matter what we do, if we move back to 17, we're going to get either Flowers
1: or Gonzo. And so, and, and reportedly, Keon White was in that conversation as well yes. as the guy they liked them. Yeah, And of course um, they get him later on in the draft, but so yeah. that that which becomes is also a
0: situation to me. And and yeah. Mike Larry says the Pats have bigger needs. Maybe, but you always need a number one lockdown corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they yeah, I I think I think you when you're in the draft, generally speaking, you should just go best player available. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, you want the most talent. And if you end up drafting the same position in the first three years in a row, fall guys hit, you're going to be so good at that position that, you know, you can build the rest of your team in free agency pretty easily and pretty cheaply, or you can spend extra money because you're saving it on other guys. You can be truly elite at one spot. And if you can do that and have depth and young depth there, that's also incredibly valuable. I mean, they have, look at where the secondary is right now and, Marcus Jones is still a question mark, Jack Jones is off the roster, JC Jackson we assume will be off the roster. Jonathan Jones is good but limited and and aging and he's had injury concerns. If they hadn't drafted Christian Gonzalez, Corner would be a massive massive need yeah. this off season. Um and you know it's they're in position to draft the wide receiver now. Mar- I would rather have Marvin Harrison Jr and Christian Gonzalez than Zay Flowers and whoever I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Zay Flowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. together would be fun, but um, yeah. I'll give you that one. It would be really fun, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, but anyways, um, all right, yeah. let's get out of here. We've been
1: here for an hour and a half, but
0: it's been a good conversation, but this is kind of where we're going, right? I mean, we have to figure out what's going on. Again, by the end of the week, I do think that by, by the time Thursday comes, we're going to get a little more clarity on the on the coaching situation. I think that after this week, None of the other coaches are getting fired. If you made the NFC championship game, you're not getting fired. That's that's not happening. So those coaches are going to be safe. I think the other coaches, the other teams are going to make their decisions. You know, and again, Philly, you assume are going to stick with Sirianni, but they haven't officially made that announcement yet. No one's really said anything yet. So that's still up in the air. We'll see what the Bills decide to do. I don't know. Maybe Andy Reid walks away. Like, that could be an interesting one, too. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's some real talk about Andy Reid walking away, right? And then, so, dominoes haven't fallen because of that, right? And so, Mm -hmm. because they mentioned, you know, what, three years ago? Uh, Right, because three years ago, Dan Campbell, right, gave his speech on this day, gave his speech uh, in Detroit. So, he was already hired. No one's gotten hired to run the league yet. So, um, it is yeah. interesting that it's running a little bit, a little bit later than it usually does,
1: and I think it's, maybe it's because the extra week and everything else. But and the Bill Belichick it. of it all seems like it's holding things up. Um, true. Yeah, true. Yeah. The Patriots so, are holding interviews for all the coordinator spots right now. Seems like we're getting a full refresh, and we might not have full clarity in a week, but I would imagine in two, two and a half weeks, we'll probably have a much better idea of where things yeah. are, yeah. Um, and then you just go from there. Um, see what the team is. I'm going to start really getting into the draft tape. I'm actually going to be looking at some defensive linemen this week out of curiosity. So I'll have some more, some more info there by the time we get to, to what Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we do our show. Uh, so, we'll
0: probably do it Thursday again.
1: Yeah. Yep. So. Um, Cause you know, defensive, you, if, if you're in the second round, you got a chance for the defensive lineman, you know, I'm never going to be upset with that too. You need offense, right. but you know, if you can get an impact defensive lineman. Right. If you haven't yeah. already signed Chris Jones. You know what the heck. <laughs> so, so,
0: anyways, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming out. The chat was flying today. We appreciate you guys. We love talking to you. Um, and uh, you guys make the show a lot better. So we appreciate it. So yeah. Um. Anyways, thanks, guys. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night. Have a good weekend, guys. Good weekend. A good week, I guess. We'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: then. it's Monday already.